You are listening to the Aesthetic Vibes podcast and I am your host, Amy. This is the podcast where we talk about relevant and totally irrelevant topics. The idea here is to spread aesthetic vibes. You're here now, so why don't you hang out and we'll talk some shit. to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Amy Lee. We are here, as usual, in the big yellow chair, talking about things that are interesting. <laughs> Last week, I spoke about the Cecil Hotel, and I kind of explained my fascination with the hotel and its very checkered history. Today I'm going to be talking about a true crime case that has always baffled me, um, upset me. I'm not going to talk about it as your usual true crimer and go into all the details. What I want to do instead is just share what I know and then maybe throw around a couple of thoughts or ideas that I might have or things that came across my mind as I was looking deeper into this particular situation. So today I'm only going to share parts. Don't think for a second that this is a holistic podcast. It is not. This is purely just something that was on my mind. I thought, you know what, I'm going to share what I know, do a little bit more research and share that as well. Um, You could research this and go off into a a lot of detail. There's books, television shows, documentaries, all that type of stuff. So with all that being said, let's just get on with it. Today I want to talk about Natalie Wood. So she was born on the 20th of July in 1938. She passed away on the 29th of November in 1981. She was basically an American actress who started off acting when she was very young, a child. And then she successfully transitioned over into adult-based roles. So Natalie actually started acting when she was about four years old. She worked um, in and starred in quite a few different movies. So Miracle on 34th Street. Um, As a teenager, she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. She was in uh, Rebel Without a Cause, and that was linked to that nomination. She was in Searchers, West Side Story, Gypsy, and the list is never-ending. During about the 1970s, she um, took a break from acting, had two daughters, one of them to her second husband, Richard, and one with Robert Wagner. And she married him, divorced him, married Richard, divorced him, then remarried Robert. So no children, (laughs) child, child for the second and, and third. From what I understand, her early childhood was pretty horrendous. So she, what um, a lot of people defined, had a lot of demons. And she came from a violent 
family with domestic violence. She came from an alcoholic father in her environment. She had a pathological attachment to a stage mother that she used to work with. She was exposed to psychological abuse as a child star. She had excessive phobias. She had a bedroom of storybook dolls that she believed were alive and spoke to her. She was also pimped out at the age of 15 to Frank Sinatra. She was also exploited into sexual liaison at the age um, when she was a teenager to 42-year-old director Nicholas Ray in an attempt to prove that she could play the bad girl character in Rebel Without a Cause. If that isn't the most disgusting thing I've ever heard, yuck. Absolutely putrid. So she's married to Robert Wagner and it was after Thanksgiving in 1981. So Natalie and Robert used to go on frequent boat trips to Catalina Island off the coast of California. This particular time, Natalie invited uh, quite a few friends, most of which declined. However, uh, Chris Walken, who she was starring in a film with, agreed to come. So it was um, her, Robert, and Christopher. Uh, And they they had a, um, what do you call it, like a captain. I was going to say a driver of the boat. Captain, and his name was Dennis Davin. And the boat's name was Splendor. So Natalie, Chris, Robert, and Dennis, all four went out for dinner. They got in the dinghy and then they took the dinghy to the shore and there was a restaurant there. They went and had a dinner at a restaurant and they had champagne and all those kinds of fun things. And then towards the end of the evening, they were all heading home. The night manager at the restaurant was a little bit concerned because they were fairly pissy, um, which in Australia means tipsy. (laughs) We say pissy. They were a little bit pissy. So he was worried that them um, driving the little dinghy back might be dangerous. So he ends up following them for the most part, make sure they get back on the boat safely and then returns to the restaurant. And and they did, right? They all got onto the boat safely. That point in time, they say, was about 10.30 p.m. Then Robert describes going into a very heated discussion with Christopher during which Natalie wasn't present. And um, it was somewhere else on board. But the whole idea was Natalie was flirting with Chris. He was flirting back. And this was all in front of Robert. So he was very uncomfortable. They end up having a chat and then um, they, they kind of disperse for the evening. So at this point, it was said Natalie went to bed earlier when they got back to the boat and the two gentlemen had a further conversation and then Robert goes to join her in bed and notices she's not there this is the account this is the story according to um you know the statements that were taken originally so at 1 30 p.m a ship to shore call was made and two hours later the coast guards were finally called because Natalie's missing This particular component of the timeline has always been questionable. What happened between 10.30 and 1.30 a.m. and then an additional two hours to call the Coast Guards? There's always been question around, well, what took so long? No one can find her. Where is she? What took so long? 
So there's a flurry of activity occurring at 8 a.m. Natalie was found about a mile south of where the yacht was, the couple uh, Splendor, if you remember the the boat, the yacht, <laughs> its name's Splendor. And um, this was an isolated cove down near Blue Cavern Point. So she was found face down in the water with a flannel nightgown on, uh, a down jacket and socks. So bedroom attire. So she was originally examined by Dr. Joseph Choi. He worked for the Los Angeles Medical Examiner's Office. And so he did the preliminary autopsy on her. He said that she had quite a high alcohol blood level of 0.14%. I believe severe intoxication is about 0.15%. So she wasn't far off that point. Um, He said that she had bruises on her arms, legs and face and he believed this was consistent with falling, uh, potentially falling on the yacht or the boat or falling into the dinghy which was next to the boat, um, attached to the boat. So they said, okay, well, her, her death's an accident. So it was ruled accidental. A couple of things to note. Natalie was petrified of water. There was a point where her mother and her went to a clairvoyant going back when she was young. And the clairvoyant said, um, be careful of deep blue water because you you could very well die in deep blue water. So she was so petrified, she wouldn't even ha- take a bath. She, she would only shower. She would never get into a bath for the fear of drowning. So this woman, this was not even, a, you know, a remote um, fear. This was, she was petrified of water. So originally the coroner who did the autopsy basically said, look, she's got these bruises on her. It seems consistent with a fall, um, you know, done and dusted. Shut the book on this one. 30 years later... The Los Angeles County Sheriff Department apparently received additional information in relation to her death from an unidentified source or sources. In 2011, the captain, Dennis, he actually admitted that he'd left some of the details out of what had actually truly happened that night. And he felt like... Natalie's family had so many questions that he actually wanted to answer some of them um, to the best of his ability. So he actually also claimed that it was Robert who killed her in, in some capacity. But basically, Dennis said that the entire weekend, the entire time that they were there, it was just argument after argument between the three of them, mainly Robert and Natalie, but then Robert and Chris. And it was said that, you know, Natalie, I think, had a little bit of something for Chris. He, you know, was charismatic. He, you know, he's still around now. He acts in, you know, 50,000 different things. But she kind of had this little thing for him. And I don't know whether he had a thing for her. But, you know, you could very well assume that, you know, there was flirting going backwards and forwards. Dennis said that when they actually returned that evening from the restaurant they all continued to drink and Robert became enraged and he apparently 
grabbed a bottle of wine, smashed it on a table, and screamed at Chris, are you trying to fuck my wife? And Dennis remembers that Chris basically retreated to his cabin. He was not having any part of this. And that was the last point that Dennis recalls seeing Chris. Robert, Robert and Natalie actually returned to their room, but then it is said that they had a huge screaming match. And Dennis said he heard the fight continuing on the deck and then everything went dead silent. When Dennis went to check on them, he only saw Robert, who said, I think Natalie's missing. Robert told Dennis to go look for her, and then he said, oh, and the dinghy's missing too. So the dinghy was uh, attached by rope to the side of the boat. You probably, most people probably know that. I know nothing about boats, but it was attached to the side of the boat. This was kind of weird because the captain, Dennis, knew that Natalie was petrified of water. There's no way she would have gotten in the dinghy to go anywhere. She was absolutely petrified of water, which sounds a little bit crazy considering the fact that they used to go on a boat and sail. <laughs> so it's only, I don't know how she, you know, how she did that, if she was that petrified. Um, but apparently this was, this was well known. She was very, very scared. Okay, so at that point, Dennis says, okay, we, we need to turn on the floodlights and we need to start looking. And Robert says, we're not turning on the floodlights of the boat um, and we're not calling for help just yet. And this was because he apparently didn't want, want any attention drawn to the situation. I don't know what that means. Um, and if your wife is missing and you're in a body of water and a dinghy is missing, you want all the attention possible, right? There was also a witness on a yacht that was near them by the name of Marilyn Wayne and they told the sheriff that that night they'd actually around 11 p.m heard someone screaming somebody please help me I'm drowning and that happened between about 11 and 11 30 it went on for like a prolonged period so not sure why they chose to do nothing uh, I'm sorry, but if somebody, if I'm on a boat and I'm hearing somebody scream about drowning, I'm going to go and see what I can do. Anyway, the Los Angeles County Sheriff Department then changed Natalie's cause of death from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. So this change came after the investigators determined that some of the, the bruises that were found on her body from the initial autopsy may have been sustained before she drowned. However, coroners said that they couldn't definitively say this, but it looked like some of them were prior bruises. In 2018, a spokesperson for the Los Angeles Sheriff Department confirmed that this particular case with Natalie was undeniably a suspicious death and Robert Wagner was officially named a person of interest. From what I understand, uh, I, think, I think he's 89 at the moment, Robert Wagner, he refuses to speak with authorities regarding the case and apparently he is legally supported so there's apparently nothing that will actually force him to go and have these discussions i just keep thinking if she would never have gotten into that water willingly what happened so 
there's more. There's these little pieces that kind of come together. There was a doctor by the name of Dr. Michael Franco who provided a missing link in this scenario. So he was a family medicine specialist in LA and an intern at the LA coroner's office when Natalie Wood's body was flown from the LA county. Apparently, Michael observed and found suspicious bruises on Natalie's interior thighs and shins and he described them as friction burns. He claimed what what actually stuck with him was the pattern of the scratches. There's a formal word for it. It's long. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But basically what he determined was they were in the opposite direction. This pattern of scratching on her legs that actually represented somebody trying to get onto a boat, not falling off a boat. So the the scratches and the patterns in the scratches weren't in the right direction. He said when he looked at them, he thought, this looks suspiciously like someone was pushed off a boat, not trying to get onto a boat. So he claims that from what he understood, she, she looked like, the body looked like she would have needed to be forcefully pushed off the boat. And he said that those bruises shouldn't have been there. But then he says, so the, he was obviously the intern, but he was um, supervised by a doctor whose name I can't pronounce. And he actually mentioned to him that the abrasions on her, um, you know, I'm having trouble understanding them. They actually seem to be in the opposite direction of what they should be. The doctor, the supervising doctor, stopped what he was doing, put his things down, looked at Michael and said some things are best left unsaid what actually happened what happened there's no way she got into that water by herself and thought of leaving the boat no way on this planet she wouldn't even take a bath and you know there's rumors that there was an argument Robert pushed her and this is a claim of Dennis as he's come out It's a little bit of speculation, but I'll share it. But basically, Dennis has claimed that Robert pushed her off the boat into the water as punishment for being, you know, in an argument with him and whatever, whatever it was, punishment. And she was in the water, floundering around, screaming, I need to get out of here. Um, You know, uh, please help me. I'm drowning. Robert left her in there until she calmed down but she in fact didn't and she drowned and then he released the dinghy to make it look like she had gone off on the dinghy and for some reason fallen in and drowned so natalie has a sister by the name lena or lana lana probably and um her sister is adamant she said she'd never go near that damn dinghy there's no way on this planet so more to this. So when Natalie was filming The Star with Betty Davis in 1952, the director, Stuart Helsler, told Natalie to jump over the railing of this private yacht and land in the water. He reassured her that there would be men in rowboats that would pick her up immediately after the jump and the filming. She did it reluctantly 
And then she panicked and screamed when she landed in the water. And she was only 14 at the time. So Betty Davis was very much concerned and she said it was just so devastating to watch because, um, yeah, she, it was true fear. She, this girl wasn't acting. She said she was absolutely petrified. And basically, uh, Stuart said, well, we didn't get that first take right. We need to do it again. So you got to do it again. And um, Betty Davis was like, no, that's not happening. She said, we, I will quit this production if you force this poor girl to do that again. It is completely unethical. So they brought in a body double and they did the reshoot with the body double. And when the female hit the water, she got caught up in like seaweed and, you know, that gangly shit that goes under the water and almost drowned. And after all of this, the scene was actually cut from the movie. What about the four-hour gap, though? That point of she's missing and then we call the Coast Guards. What the hell do you do for that entire time period? It's A boat is only a certain size. You can only look around a certain area. Like, where the hell? Like, <laughs> someone's not on a boat. They're not on a bloody boat. You're not going to miraculously, like, they just turn up out of thin air. They're not on the freaking boat. Where, where, why, and how? I'm so confused by this. So her body was found half a mile from the yacht. And it she was not dressed as if she was going into water or near water. Remember, she had on this nightgown. She had um, knee-length wool socks on. She had this jacket on. She, it's just impossible, right? And it was said that her clothes were still wet 24 hours after examination of her body. However, the sad part is um, they say that if she wasn't drunk and she'd actually thought about it she should have taken off the overcoat because when they weighed it that weighed 30 to 40 pounds and would have surely been pulling her under these said that if she hadn't been so drunk she might have thought to take it off but um potentially she would have survived in the water if she didn't have that massive coat kind of weighing her down robert wagner is old um there's no denying that he is apparently exhibiting early signs of dementia. If he was part of this situation, will we ever find out? Will we ever get the definitive information that we're looking for? He has basically just moved on with his life. Got married, moved on. So will we ever get the truth? There have been different reports of the captain um, kind of coming out with different information, some of which has been kind of debunked. And he apparently wrote a book about Natalie in the, the evening. A lot of people claim that he kind of speaks out um, as a way of promoting his book. And he's apparently told some pretty crazy stories over over the past roughly 30 plus years. So he's told some some crazy stuff. So the credibility of him and his evidence is questionable. But I'd like to know, what is this information that's come forward? And I would really like to know if this is going to be pursued. 
there's lots of different stuff in the media. I was looking at one article recently that kind of said Robert's now been cleared, his name's cleared, and the the case for Natalie has been determined a cold case. The LA Police Department received information. I would be curious to know what that is. And I know in a lot of instances, police can't share this information because it'll jeopardize the case or whatever it might be. But be interesting to know what. It's still not clear. It's still not clear what happened to her. I don't think she got in the dinghy with the intentions of going anywhere. If you're having a fight with someone, just remove remove yourself from the fight. Go sit outside or go to a different area. Why she wouldn't have gone and just sat in a lounge area? It had cabins. This is this is a decent sized boat, right? You'd just go sit in the lounge area. You'd go sit in in a spare cabin. Why would you plan to leave? Firstly, in your pajamas. Secondly, when you're petrified of water, in the dark, after a few drinks. that There's just so many things that just don't make sense. And I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it unless somebody actually has hard evidence. And it looks like, I'm not saying that Robert was involved. I just think there's more to the story and they might be, him and Chris might be kind of protecting themselves because they maybe had been able to prevent it from happening. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know why. This is one of these cases that I just, every now and then, it just pops back up in my mind. And I'm like, oh, I wish that I could get to the bottom of that one. Um, there's a couple of others that do that repeatedly for me there's two others um one of them is the the case of phoebe Hansjuck, which was um a girl who was found 12 stories down the apartment garbage chute on the floor it was alleged that she was still alive because I think her leg was partially severed and there were crawl marks all around the bottom of the uh, the garbage chute as she was trying to kind of crawl her way out. And then there's another one, Lisa Harnum with Simon uh, Gitney, who um, was found guilty of murdering her. Uh, these are just these ones that pop up in your mind and you just go, what actually happened? Will we ever know? And... It just leaves you with that unsettling feeling in the pit of your stomach. I really wish that we would find out. Um, I guess the only people that know are the people that this happened to. Um, I just wanted to share today because this is one that kind of pops up. There's a couple of these ones that pop up in my mind and I thought it'd be um, kind of a bit of a lead on from the Cecil Hotel where we spoke about some unexplained stuff and I thought another unexplained situation tragic tragic situation um would maybe bring some visibility to this type of stuff um so yeah if you haven't heard of natalie wood before uh she's starting a lot a lot of stuff so definitely recommend you check out some of the the research uh pertaining to her case because there's a lot and like i said at the start there's a lot that i um didn't share there's a lot that, um, you know, like I said, I'll be sitting here for days and days. Anyway, let's leave it there today. Uh, thank you for joining me. Do drop by next week. 
I will be back with another topic. I used to plan my podcast episodes out, you know, weeks in advance, but um, I've got no idea what I'm doing at this point. I have too many things on the go. So um, anyway, I thank you for dropping by. Uh, you can hit me up on my socials at Aesthetic Vibes Pod. You can drop me an email at aestheticvibespodcast.outlook.com. Drop by my website, aestheticvibespodcast.com. Drop by my TikTok, Dr. Ames Kelly. That's it. The end. I uh, hope you all have a wonderful day. Um, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.